Welcome to the Marketing Millennials, the no BS marketing podcast. I'm Daniel Murray, and join me for unfiltered conversations with the brains behind marketing's coolest companies. The one request I tell our guests, stories or it didn't happen. Get ready to turn the f*** up. What we're seeing is this further disconnection between brands and consumers because we've been on the internet long enough now. We know what ads look like. We know what a hook is. Like whether we are in marketing or not, more and more of our consumers, they've seen the tricks before. A really great example of this is Black Friday. If you looked at social media during Black Friday, there was more conversations about how people had like a gotcha moment from their inbox being flooded with all of this communication from brands instead of, I can't wait to buy this. It was a completely different conversation. What's up, what's up everybody? I'm excited to be here today. So I will please to welcome Christina to the stage. Absolutely, thanks for having me. Could you just give a little background about you? I know you work for this little company called HubSpot that probably nobody's ever heard about, but could you just give a little background about you and, let's, and we'll get into a little bit about your about community. So I'm Christina Grinnett. I'm the Principal Marketing Manager of Offline Community and Advocacy at HubSpot. And my work really is the intersection of social media, community, and brand affinity. And so really trying to learn more and more about our customer base, what our potential customers are looking for, and how can we really amplify and drive thought leadership through the people who love us and know us the most, which is our, our top users, our customers, our partners, who not only love us, but come from a really knowledgeable background. So they're they're not only telling you to use HubSpot, but they're explaining why you should use HubSpot and how it can be utilized for your use case and solve the problems you have, which is incredibly helpful. People don't just want recommendations, they want the why. And that's really powerful because we don't trust brands anymore, we trust people. Yeah, and that actually brings me on to the quote you you gave for Talkwalker and their trend support. I want to talk a little bit about that right now. It went along the lines of people tr- people trust people, not brands, and how community is one of the best ways to develop trust. So can we go into like a little bit about that? So what we're seeing is this further disconnection between brands and consumers because We've been on the internet long enough now. We know what ads look like. We know what a hook is. Like whether we are in marketing or not, more and more of our consumers, they've seen the tricks before. A really great example of this is Black Friday. If you looked at social media during Black Friday, there was more conversations about how people had like a gotcha moment from their inbox being flooded with all of this communication from brands instead of, I can't wait to buy this. It was a completely different conversation. Consumers are using Black Friday not to save money. They're using it to remember what email list they're on and to unsubscribe from those. And that's because that that relationship mixture, that that basis that we have with our brands is it's deteriorating more and more over time because it just doesn't feel special. I've I'm gonna see that oops, we decided to extend the sale. Like we we can forecast what these brands are gonna be doing before they even do it. And so it shows this lack of connection. Whereas in communities, I know that if someone recommends something to me, they may or may not have anything to gain from it, but a brand is always going to have something to gain from them recommending themselves. But we're going to go on Amazon and look at reviews from complete strangers and take them at their, at their word. 
We're not even going to go on Google anymore. We're going to go on TikTok and we're going to watch hauls to see like what something looks like on somebody or if they liked that product. Makeup on TikTok is incredibly well done. It's the way to get consumers. They want to see what it looks like on your skin. They want to see what your thoughts are about it. They want to see how you would compare it versus other things. You're seeing entire user culture shift towards this community functionality instead of this brand functionality. We know the brands are going to tell us they're great. That isn't necessarily the truth. One thing about this is, and everybody, I suggest you go read this trends report. There's there's a bunch of experts giving their opinion about the future of social, but I also want to give a little bit of what my opinion I gave is one thing, one trend that I think is going to happen is we're going to see people, content creators with strong communities start working in-house at big brands. I mean, someone with a strong community right here is working for a big brand right now. I, I mean, you could tell the story how you like, your job at Housewell, but I, it's because you were so great at, with marketing Twitter and how mm-hmm. you cultivated a community there. So I think I want to go into that as well. Like, how did you start with community and think about like developing, if you don't know that, Christina is like the started the marketing community, like marketing Twitter. Like there wasn't a marketing Twitter before Christina put everything together. So I want to talk about that. And then also like how you think about community at HubSpot right now and how, how you developing that community on social media, online and offline. Um, a little bit of background. If you're into like Enneagrams, I'm a four, which means that I feel alien to other things. I don't really, I spent a lot of my life trying to figure out where I fit in. And then as an adult, I realized that is don't, which I've turned into a strength because it means that I turn that table. I create that table for other people. When I think about community, I very much think about the lunchroom at a high school and you assuming it's your first day, you automatically start looking for people that you recognize. You start looking for patterns of recognition. This person's in the same math class as me, or this person also likes that band, or you immediately start, whether you realize it or not, your brain starts determining where you can sit based on where you think your alliances and your self-identification mirrors other people. And community is very similar. And a lot of times, I don't think I created marketing Twitter. What I think I created was the door to marketing Twitter, where a lot of people just wanted someone at a table to be like, hey, you can sit with us. We'd love to have you sit with us. It's such a small gesture, but it can change someone's day. And in the case of marketing Twitter, I like to think that it changed a lot of people's careers. A lot of us have become lifelong friends. A lot of us have gone out and met each other. You and I got to meet in Boston at Inbounds. There's all these opportunities for us to really kind of walk in the door, make our seat at the table, learn about each other, and really kind of take that to the next level so those relationships mature. So there's people who've gotten jobs because they've connected with people. And I think with all of the drama that we've seen with the the Elon Musk takeover of Twitter, a lot of those key people, we're staying on Twitter. But what we're doing is we're trying to be more thoughtful of how we can stay close to our people. The thing that makes Twitter special for me is not the tech. It's not the code, it's the people that make it so truly special. So I created a marketing Twitter LinkedIn group because I'm like, I just need a place for my people where we can connect and we can still like cheer each other on and amplify each other. I was added to HubSpot, I joined HubSpot because I've been a lifelong fan. I've been a fan for quite a few years. I've consulted with agencies. I've used the software as a customer, all of these things. 
And Brian Halligan, our former CEO and um, co-founder, saw what I was doing on Twitter and had Kip reach out to me to see if I would be interested in joining HubSpot. I've been a really big fan. So it's really cool to think that because of my work, I was able to come in from the outside and have that perspective to really make sure that we took care of the fans once I joined. And so once I joined, one of the first things I did, because I was pretty already pretty connected with a lot of our partner and customer groups, was reach out to really make sure that I understood them. So I immediately did a post as soon as I announced and say like, hey, if you're a fan of HubSpot, I want to hear from you. What do you love? What do you hate? What motivates you? What makes you feel special? When was the last time we made you feel special? And getting that information and creating those relationships and bonds is huge. And you see that across our entire community team at HubSpot. We do a really fantastic job of connecting with people. They're not numbers to us. We really desperately love having conversations with them, helping them grow, helping them help people grow, and really creating this net of opportunities for people to learn and grow and educate. You see that through Academy. You see it through connect.com. You see it through HubSpot community in general. There's always places to come from a place of help. How can we help you? So we're not just going to say HubSpot's great. We're going to be really thoughtful about how it can be helpful for you. And um, we just got announced as a finalist for the CMX uh, Growth um, Growth Marketing Community Award. So it's not just me working on the community team. We have a really, really fantastic group of professionals that really, truly care about people. And you see that in all of our work. Yeah. One question I want to ask you, too, is, one thing about community is establishing people to talk to people. It's not people talking to HubSpot. So how do you, what are some ways to foster people talking to people, not only to HubSpot, creating this community of marketers talking to marketers or business owners talking to business owners? Like, how do you think about that? Yeah. So there's a couple ways that we do this. One of the things that I really love is there's a program called Community Champions. And we have an amazing team that works on that. And what it does is it really encourages that deep collaboration, that peer-to-peer communication that makes community so vibrant and so helpful. And so these are people who are not only contributing to the community, but they're helping people find solutions. So in order to be a part of the community and be a part of that specific champions, like essentially VIP group, is what you're doing is you're answering people's questions. And not only did you answer it, but it was your response was deemed as the solution for that specific person's question. So we have champions who are actively looking to see like, where are the questions? Where are the people who are struggling or they don't know how to do something or they're not sure if they're able to do this specific capability with this feature. So the champions are the helpers and they go in there and they they really are the lifeblood of the community. They're making it helpful. They're making the community a go-to place. If you have questions, if you wanna connect, we have hugs which are HubSpot user groups. And that's a way for you to connect with fellow HubSpot users, whether by location or more of a community of practice based off of like a specific topic or theme. And so you have to have a community that responds for different touch points. Do you have a question? How are we creating a home for that? You want connect, connect with others. How are we creating a home for that? We are really thoughtful about jobs to be done and making sure that depending on what that job to be done is, you have a really thoughtful experience where you're able to get what you want and you want to come back again. That's the thing about community. It's not about joining. It's about joining and returning. One thing I want to go into too is if I was going to go tell a leader right now, like I want to go invest in community. What, what, what is someone investing in when they go invest in community? And what are some 
ways to convince your leader or your marketing leader or a CEO that we should invest in building community for uh, a brand? Especially right now with the economic environment the way it is right now, you're going to have to tie it to revenue. That's going to be the easiest way to be able to get leadership to be on board. And I agree, community has definitely been a buzzword over the past few years, especially since 2020, because we've all needed it. Community has saved us in, in one way or another, as we've been able to connect in ways that we never have before, because we so desperately needed human connection, even when it felt like the world was burning down and we were all stuck at home. And so for leadership to be on board, it has to be aligned with business goals. And so just like with social media, you're going to have those like top level needs as well as those vanity metrics. So it's really easy to see growth as a vanity metric, how many people are in the community, but you need to dive deeper to be able to determine that. So great way to do that is how many of your actual customers are in this community? And can you see a difference between retention in the customers who are in the community versus the customers who are not? Is there a value add in the community that I don't want to stop using this product because if I stop using this product, I have no need for this community and this community is able to help me in blank, blank, blank. So there's retention and that's incredibly hard right now. You not only want that net new, but you also want to be able to retain the people that you currently have as customers. And so community is a really great value add to incentivize them to stay. Then you have net new. Are there webinars that you can go in that you can offer to people who may not be customers, but they want to learn how it can be used for them? Do you have an advocacy program so that you have advocates within the community that are able to give you referrals or are able to be that voice of the customer so more and more people trust you versus something else? Are they doing reviews for you on Trust Radius or G2? How are they able to be that voice of the customer because word of mouth is the one thing that isn't a trend. It's the one thing that I, no matter what happens, word of mouth will always be powerful and community can really harness that for you. So make a plan as to what are the behaviors that our members of the community can do that would influence net new revenue? And then how can we track that? And then how are the members that are in the community that are customers, how are they getting such an, a significant value add to their experience that they never want to leave the product? Because if they leave the product, they'd also have to leave the community. I mean, tying anything to revenue and then also tying like it into two types of revenues, like retention, are we causing less people to churn? And the other side of it, are we causing more people to come in the community? I want to also ask you, a lot of people, the brands and social media talk at their audience and don't like talk with their audience and build community. So what are some advice you talk, you have for brands that want to start fostering that feeling of community from a brand's social account and not only be all about them, me, 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 but be about us, 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 and we as marketers or we as entrepreneurs or we as whatever. Um, how do you think about that? I really think that you could do it one of two ways. Um, you can do one by activating the voice of the customer. No one does this like McDonald's. McDonald's social team is fantastic at really essentially weaponizing almost the voice of the customer. When you had that, can I get a tweet that went viral? It was such a connection to that. Their Super Bowl commercial last year where people were singing in the drive through line. It was such a core understanding of I understand I understand my customers and I know exactly what their voice sounds like. That immediately creates this opportunity 
for people to say, I feel seen, I feel heard. The other is it has to be conversational. If you're posting anything, think about like, what would a comment look like for this? And if you can't think of how someone would comment on that, then you're talking at them, not with them. And that's a huge difference. I think the other thing too is, and I think a lot of brands struggle with this because it feels like you either have to be professional or unhinged. Like there's no other way. Like it's a binary opportunity for brands, but that's just not the case. It's not true. A lot of brands kind of struggle with either taking themselves too seriously or literally going off the rails for engagement. And the happy medium is not taking yourself too seriously but also not going, not embracing chaos. And I love the brands that have been able to do this through meme culture. I think meme culture is a really great way to show that you're paying attention without necessarily going full tilt. And to be able to showcase, like, I totally understand. Really, really great way to see this. And I'm about to do a white lotus spoiler. So la la la, if you don't want to hear it. HBO Max did a post where they were talking about, and it was, it was posted like right after the like penultimate episode. So right before the finale. And they were talking about Tanya. Once again, spoilers, just your final warning. Tanya was saying like, and I had posts from like the season and stuff. It said, Tanya is living this season. And then after the finale, they quote tweeted themselves and said, never mind. And so it was very much a, we know what, what storyline matters the most to these, to the people who are watching this and we're going to have fun with it. Wednesday on Netflix, their team did an amazing job also really kind of highlighting how fun things were. Um, They even had a, because TikTok was showing um, Wednesday's dance with the Lady Gaga song, Mary. And so they actually Lady Gaga and the Wednesday team started like talking to each other. And so it's just the whole idea of like, you can be playful and not unhinged. You can have fun and not be crazy and not be chaotic. And I think that brands feel like they have to go full tilt when the happy medium is what happens if you were just playful? I don't want you to get drunk. I want you to have like two beers and be buzzed. That's like the optimal space that brands need to be in. Just take the tie off. It doesn't have to be too crazy, but it doesn't have to be too brushed up either. The way to do that is like intently listen to like conversations that are already having on social and like what people are saying. So what are some ways you've seen, obviously talk water is a great way, but other ways that you see of like listening to conversations on social. So, you know, like Tanya is a conversation point in the show or Lady Gaga and Wednesday team are, are collabing or what are some ways to like actually find these conversations that are happening? you need to be thinking like your audience. And so I find that not as many brands do this as they used to a couple years ago. A lot of brands would just focus on specific hashtags. And so if someone wasn't using your hashtag, you didn't, they wouldn't like pull that information. You really need to be making a list of like, what are all the keywords that someone could be using to talk about you, talk about your product, talk about your industry. And like hashtags are fine, but not everyone talks in hashtags. Not everyone, that's not how we naturally speak. And so understanding how your audience talks about you and understanding that they don't live in one place, there's opportunities to have like a multi-touch. So like Wednesday paid attention to Twitter, but was also paying attention to TikTok. And because they had both, 
they were able to really kind of understand from like a multi-channel perspective, how are people engaging with us? What are the moments that were most important to them? And you need to understand that Twitter is not where everyone lives. TikTok is not where everyone lives. So make sure that you're not putting all of your eggs in one basket. How are they acting? And are they acting differently based on those different channels? Having that information, the more customer obsessed you can be, the better off it's going to be for you to be able to create programming for them, to be able to determine what they're wanting, what kind of talk they use, how they speak to each other. Sneakers are probably a really great example. If you have a company that sells tennis shoes and you call them tennis shoes, but other people call them sneakers, you're not going to be able to pull the data from the people who really buy your product and vice versa. Maybe they spell them a different way. Or maybe they're talking about the app and not the shoes. And you need to be able to differentiate that. So using tools like TalkWalker, Amplify. I also like TalkWalker Alerts. If, you, if you're ever wanting to do um, some like really easy lift opportunities, TalkWalker Alerts works very similarly to Google Alerts. So you can say, I want to know when this specific keyword is mentioned in it. It could be your brand or it could be a product name or feature. And it's able to tell you, like, I want an email daily or I want an email once a week or monthly. So it's a really quick, like, easy win that you can start establishing. So you can start kind of determining what's looking. Me personally, I also love native. I go into Twitter, Reddit, LinkedIn, TikTok daily. What's happening with HubSpot? What are people saying? Is there someone that we should be reacting to? Is there a TikTok video that that's mentioning HubSpot? Is that something that we should be responding to? Or is that something that we should just give it some love? There's opportunities like that, but you don't know if you don't if you don't see it, and you don't see it if you don't take that time. I notice this all the time. Anytime I see someone mentioning HubSpot or I mention HubSpot, Christina's always liking it, and with the her classic orange heart, heart. Love my orange hearts. The sprinkles everywhere. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I see them everywhere. So I wanted to just like say like I see like that's one way for like community to be built. It's just like simply just paying attention and if you reach that someone not only hubspot is reacting but christina is someone a person at hubspot that actually works at hubspot is reacting which is also a great way to develop that community one thing i wanted to go into is like a little bit more on this like trend that was mentioned the point about how the trend basically for people who have just tuned in is like personas are over you'll start thinking community and what they mean by that is that on social media, people, there are these like little silos of communities that are happening. A lot of people are talking on Discord now. A lot of people are talking on marketing Twitter. Like you have to be coming deeper in those communities and not only thinking about one marketer, one person. You have to think about like where those communities. So I want to think, show, say like, how do you go find these communities where marketers are hanging out? Like what are like, do you talk to marketers or do you, are you just everywhere to find like, are they on Discord? Are they on Slack? Are they on Reddit? Are they here? How do you go find these communities where marketers are hanging out or any any of your audience is hanging out? I do a lot of social listening. The social listening is a really great way for me to do that because one of the things about starting or being in a community is that level of growth. The thing for personas for me is that communities thrive in variety. Personas don't. Case in point, I'm sure a lot of us, if you've been in marketing, you've seen the meme where it has the persona of Prince Charles, now King Charles, and Ozzy Osbourne. And they have the exact same like persona triggers and they're identical, like from England, check, lives in a castle, check, like all these things and saying like, 
those are two very different individuals. But by a persona perspective, I'm treating them exactly the same way. So there's there's kind of a limitation of how diverse you can get. And I think we also see that with advertising, especially digital advertising. If you are a woman on this call, I'm sure you've had an experience where you've had like a milestone birthday and you start getting specific advertising that you have absolutely no need of. But when you think about it, you're like, oh, I'm older than 30 now. What you will see, and it will make you angry once you see it, but like, Women, once you are over the age of 30, you're going to get advertisements for look slimmer. Here's body trimmers. Here's this. Here's that. It's very clear. Or like after you're like mid 20, you start getting things for like babies. The societal pressures are essentially indoctrinated into a lot of the digital ads that we see. And the persona is, well, this would probably be wanted by a woman who's 30 plus or a woman who's 25 plus or 40 plus and things like that. And as an advert, as someone who's seeing these advertisements, it makes you feel immediately triggered and attacked as soon as you realize, I know exactly why I'm seeing this. I'm seeing this because I meet these specific parameters. They're not relevant for who I want and for the products that I need. Whereas community, there is that variation. It's not based on a solely having, like you can only have this specific like, and if you have anything different, you don't have that. I think that's the beauty of communities is that we're here because we like, for example, the marketing millennials, your page has a lot of content that's fantastic. And so the onus of us to be a part of that community is our connection of wanting to be marketers and wanting to learn more in that space. But I'm not excluded because I'm in Virginia or I'm not excluded because I have this, I'm in-house versus agency versus freelancer. The ability to have connection based on one or two things, but not be excluded because of our differences outside of that is what makes community so lovely and so special. And it's a really great way to diversify your own understanding because you might be in a marketing channel who someone is more of like an SEO person and you're more of an organic social person and y'all could learn from each other. And you're there for because you self-identify as marketers, even though your specificities are different. That's such a beautiful thing. So same thing with social listening. Find the keywords. What kind of communities do you want to be a part of? And there's also always like usually a lot of articles. If you Google articles about like what are the top 10 sales communities or what are the top 10 like marketing communities? Discord's the same way. The thing too, though, is that there's going to be trial and error. Not every community is amazing. And also there's tons of amazing communities that just aren't right for you. I've joined communities that like people have raved about and have gone in there and I'm like, this isn't my home. This isn't for me. Doesn't mean that it's not amazing. It's just this community doesn't resonate with me and that's okay. But so you're going to find them, but then you're going to have to do trial and error. I think that's worth acknowledging. And Liam, you said that you're, you're in a ton of discords. I think you'd probably feel the same way. I bet a lot of those discords have very different vibes and different ways that they respond to each other. They react to each other, how they're constructed. That's the thing about discords too, is there are discords that are like highly regulated and controlled. And then there's some, it's like a zoo. There's no framework. It's like a free for all in there. So you could have different discord servers for different, for basically very similar community self-identification types, but the way that they're handled dictates your experience and makes the experience wildly different. I love that because I think like just because I'm a marketer doesn't mean like 
I also want to find people who are interested in superheroes and I want to find like those superhero fans. And just because I'm a marketer doesn't mean I don't like superheroes or just because like I want to be, and it's just like, instead of thinking of like targeting me as like a marketing ops person, like I can go hang out with like Christina who is a community person and I can go hang out with this person. That's why I love, I love that. I want to open up to the floor to, before anybody has questions. I see some questions coming in. Um, Gabrielle asked a question about what is your experience using Sprinkler for social listening? Have you ever used it? I have. Um, I used Sprinkler for one of the eight, um, one of the clients that I had when I was at ICUC, I was a strategist. I liked it. I think Sprinkler is, I don't think this will be too surprising. It's a lot more enterprise focused. So you're using it for social listening plus other things. So I think it's great. I think you also, and this isn't a Sprinkler thing. This is a across the board thing. Whenever you are doing social listening, especially in crisis, I was in an agency during 2020 when like it felt like every feed was melting and you had to do like crisis comms 24 hours a day. Make sure that you're backing up the tech with a native search because sometimes things don't get pulled through for whatever reason based on filters you may have or something like that. And in times of crisis, people aren't going to care that you didn't see a tweet because it didn't come through the tech they're going to know that you missed it. And that's all that matters. So I would specifically just make sure that you're doing a mixture of native and whatever your social listening tool is to make sure that you're not having anything fall through the cracks, especially if you're using it for crisis comms. Um, another question. Uh, Liam is on fire today because I know Liam is like the, the LinkedIn guy. I see him everywhere really LinkedIn. We've had some conversations. He's one of the best building communities, even though that's not always his, his title, but I want to go into uh, a question he has here is like, curious to know your favorite social scheduling listening tools. Um, I'm currently evalu- evaluating several. I mean, I do like Talkwalker. I've used Meltwater. I've used Amplify. I've used Sprinkler. I will say that if you're wanting publishing and social listening, that does narrow it down quite a bit. One thing that I really liked, um, it's we haven't mentioned it yet, um, more of like a social schedule, scheduling tool is Falcon. I absolutely loved Falcon when I worked, when I used it for a, as an agency strategist, specifically because you're able to schedule things in and then there's like a workflow for approval. So you can add notes and make sure you have what you need. And I, I absolutely loved being able to have like an editorial process framework within the scheduling. So instead of it just being set up for that, you could have notes, you could have comments, you could reestablish if something was published versus not versus scheduled. And so when it comes to like from not necessarily um, social listening, but more from a like a publishing tool, I absolutely loved Falcon for that because especially if you're working with like an enterprise client, which is what Falcon's really best for, there's going to be a lot of hands, a lot of hands in the mix. And so it's not going to be just someone being like, all right, it's published. It's good to go. There's going to be people who are like, we need to make sure that the graphic looks correctly. We want to make sure that this is in line with what this changed or someone else wants to tweak the copy. There's a lot of changes that happen at the very last second. And there's ability in Falcon to be able to essentially have that whole communication within there. And I absolutely adored that. So big fan of Falcon. It's a bit expensive. So um, if you're an enterprise client, that's, I mean, it's, it's definitely a great tool. Someone asked about building community for higher education. Is there, is it the same as building it for any other brand or how should you think about that? I know, I don't know if you've had any experience, but I know HubSpot has an academy that feels like higher education. So I think it really comes down to the same thing. There's that general sense of belonging that you need to have. And then you also need to have this 
I think that customer obsession or that community member obsession, I think the foundations are very similar. Now, how you activate that work is contingent upon like what their jobs are to be done there. For example, if you're doing like a higher ed community for students, there's going to be certain things you can't talk about there if someone's like underage, you know, like you can't have like a beer mixer and then like half of the community is underage, things like that that you just need to be thoughtful about, but those are the activations. The core still needs to be the same. Who is it for? How are you working with people? What are the rules? How are we communicating with them? Why are we even doing this? If anyone's listening, there's, um, I didn't create this, but it's one of the first things that I recommend for people, specifically if they wanna build a community, it's called the Community Canvas. It's based off of Steve Blank's business model canvas. And what it does is it really streamlines your the questions you need to ask yourself to build a community into, I think it's like nine or 10, just a one sheet. If you go to community-canvas.org, you'll be able to download it for free, fill it out. And it's a really great way to be, to really kind of get that root structure set up so that when you're talking to leadership or you're really thinking about next steps, you have the solid framework for what that community, that minimum viable community needs to look like. How can you use YouTube in your community story as a brand? UGC. So I absolutely love YouTube um, from a perspective. I think YouTube shorts doesn't get a lot of love. My kids are not allowed on TikTok, but they will go to YouTube shorts in a hot second. They are smart enough to know like that's the alt. That's, that's the one that we can get away with. And it's a really great way to be able to grow your main stage YouTube channel if you are paying attention to how people are talking about you on YouTube, if you're if you're seeing people who are reacting to you, if they're doing a reaction video or they're doing a tutorial, if you look at people like Miss Excel, she was able to completely transform a product and how like the big problem with Excel is like, oh, it's difficult or I don't know how to do this. And like, it's just a spreadsheet. I, I want this to be easier. And so she essentially has turned into like the HubSpot Academy for Excel. She's doing all these questions. She'll do tutorials. Being able to, like, if I was Microsoft, I would be, and I'm sure they already do, I'd be partnering with her as much as humanly possible and have her be the face of, like, here's how you learn how to do this, and here is how to do this specific thing. And you didn't know how to do this, this specific formula. Here's how you do this. Or you don't, or pivot tables are a nightmare for you. Here is how you do that. And so finding people who will become the face of what you're doing and it be authentic and be from a user perspective instead of a brand perspective, look for those videos on YouTube. Find out who are the people that you can be reacting to. Find out how they could play a bigger role. Another thing to think about too is if you know um, Rand Fishkin, he has Spark Toro, which is a fantastic tool that you can do audience intelligence on. And one of the things that you can look for is it will actually give you a breakdown based on keywords or brands, what YouTube channels people watch. So that would be a really great way for you to find people who could be looking for content for you, or it could help you find YouTubers that you could sponsor, that you could partner with for content. It's a really great way to learn where your audience is currently paying attention, podcasts, YouTube, Twitter, all those things. It's a really easy way to find those connections of, I know who they're looking at and who they're listening to. How can I partner with those people so that they can be the voice that they trust instead of us? Because they're not really trusting us. They know what those ads look like. And I think you're going to continue to see this go into next year too. Because the bigger thing is, is that in an economic decline, businesses are trying to cut a lot. They're trying to cut as much as they can. And so a lot of paid is going to go away. 
Twitter, we are already starting to see this. We're going to start seeing this in other things. As more and more people are using TikTok for search versus Google, there's going to be brands that are having to isolate and say, like, do we do Google ads? Do we do TikTok ads? Do we do A-B testing? Do we do neither? And so what you're going to see is how were you able to find other ways to connect outside of paid? Because people know what those ads look like. And so you're going to continue to see that next year, too. A lot of people have shied away from this long-term brand play of community and stuff. And now it's starting to slowly bite at them because they realize that the only way to grow was paid before. And now the people who have been building community like HubSpot and all these other companies that are doing it very well are going to start rising above because of the communities they built. Another question, I thought this was really good is considering there's so many social media channels to find info, do you have an order or structure on how sh- how to search about the brands or topics? How do you organize community search about topics without getting overwhelmed with all the info from everywhere? Honestly, the channels will tell you because the API structure is very different for each of them. And so it really is a question of how much is, what is actually easier to search. So especially if you're using a tool most of the time, if you see like the pie chart of where the, the mentions are being pulled from, the vast majority is from Twitter, like significantly, regardless of keyword, because Twitter's more open. And so like, for example, there's a lot of Facebook, there's tons of Facebook pages, but a lot of them might be private. And so you can't pull that data. So there's no way you could like social listen unless you're like actually friends with that person, you're actually connected. And so what I tend to do is I... I do native search every morning, basically. Twitter is my number one. And then Reddit and then LinkedIn. Those are my three. And the user behaviors are very different on each. LinkedIn, it's more about like, let me showcase my knowledge. Reddit is let me ask questions to people who I know are probably in the weeds. You're going to see a lot more technical questions on Reddit than you would on Twitter or LinkedIn. Twitter, it tends to be more of like an insight or it tends to be like a specific question or customer support where they're like, hey, is something down for y'all? I'm seeing that I'm not able to do blah, blah, blah versus LinkedIn. And so depending on like how deep their need is, you're going to see those different user cultures. So I always start and this isn't the right answer for everybody. It really depends on what your choices are. But for me, it's it's Twitter, Reddit, LinkedIn in that order. And my Reddit um, recap I joked with my team because like I spent 27 hours in the HubSpot subreddit. And I was just like, can you tell I do social listening on, on HubSpot? So just things like that is just interesting to think about. But it depends on who your who your users are, what they're talking about, and kind of what are the different needs that they would have. And then just kind of theorizing and doing that game theory. Where would I go if I was this person with this kind of need? Is it more appropriate for Twitter where it's quick and I just want an immediate response? Is it Reddit where I need someone who I feel is smarter than me to really give me a deep dive and understand? Or is it LinkedIn where I really want to kind of showcase my own knowledge? How do you come off authentic talking to a group versus just one person? Like how does that, you become, have like an authentic tone? Because sometimes it could come off like people are just saying like, you is everybody, but everybody has different problems. So how do you come off like authentic when talking to a community? You have to care. Your receipts follow you. Your receipts follow you very quickly. There's a ton of companies and brands. It's very easy to say, like, we hear you. Your behavior doesn't suggest that. 
your actions and your words have to, they have to match up. That's honestly what it comes down to is when you're talking to one person, it's really easy to make one person feel taken care of and, and happy and heard, but you have to follow through. Same thing with the community. Um, if you're talking to a community, you need to be okay and open to them talking to you all at once, or if they want to talk to you on a one-to-one -one level, and then you have to be there for them. The thing about community is it's long game and you have to care. That's the real struggle is there's going to be a lot of the work. It, it pays off in the end. It pays dividends in the end, but those quick wins are harder and harder to get with that because it's a relationship. If you go in and you really see these people as like a true relationship that you want to foster, then that's going to take time and you're going to have ups and downs. And there's going to be times when they're going to want you to be there for them. And in and, and times where it's kind of messy and, and not happy. But if you're starting a community and you think you can immediately be that friend that's like, hey, you have a truck. Can you help me move tomorrow? That's not long game. And they're going to know. And that's the, that's the thing that we're community struggle is that it becomes, you spend so much time in that community, your real self shows up and people are going to know, are you there because you want to ask favors and you want to tell them to do things or are you there because you genuinely care about them? So I think that's the beautiful thing that we have at HubSpot is not just from a brand perspective, but like our team, we genuinely care so much about our community that it's reflected in the work that we do. And we're constantly trying to get feedback. We're constantly trying to figure out like how we can make things better for them. And that pays off. But if you're going in a community and it's just like, all right, I have to do this today. I have to do that. We figure it out. Once people feel used, you've lost that community member. You've completely lost them. And with good reason. Yeah. I just want to give a shout out to my wife to always supporting me in the chat. Ari, thank you. And I also think, Bert, that was a great comment about community being an R&D feature mm -hmm. of like, lear like learning. Um, I think we'll go into one or two more questions. I see one about which social media mix you recommend for having the best success building community. It depends on what kind of community you want. There's a couple different questions. So you could have a community of practice where it's more like they're marketers or it can be a community of product where it's more like I'm a HubSpot user and that's why I'm here. It could also be that you're doing it for more of a support focus. So you're probably going to want more of a forum versus if you want them to connect where that's going to be more of like a Slack channel or something. You need to be able to determine the why of the community and what core behaviors you want them to do. In my personal opinion, there's not really any like Goldilocks community tool. I, I'd mentioned earlier on Twitter, I want VCs to throw money at Rosie Sherry because she's just an icon of community. And she, if, if she built a community platform, I'd feel like that's probably the closest to a Goldilocks that there could be. But it, it really depends on what you want them to do. That prioritizes your tech stack, not the other way around. It's really easy. And we do this as marketers too. We immediately start the tech conversation, the tech stack conversation instead of the pre-work, which is what do we want to accomplish and what does it have to do and what do we want them to make? What, how, we, how do we want it to be effective for people? And that's why you'll find a lot of community managers will create a Slack channel because of its ease of use. There's a low learning curve and then it's agile communication. It's not that Slack's an amazing tool, it's that it does agile communication quite well. And if that's the core thing you want your community to do, then that box is checked and you're off to the races. But it really depends. 
I do like Circle, Melanie. I think Circle is a really great evolution of, of Slack. It feels like Slack, but then you're able to do like event webinars and stuff inside of it, which I think is fantastic. So there's there's definitely some things there, but um, I don't think there's one like Goldilocks yet, in my opinion. Cool. I'll ask one more question because this is a question yep. directly for you. Do you have any brand communities that you love or think of excellent examples of success? I got to say Peloton. I think Peloton has done the best job from a brand community perspective, and I'll explain why. They are living proof that community is a moat because Peloton has seen some drama this year and they have had some issues like the CEO left, their stock has dipped, they've had all of these things. The one thing that's been constant is the community supporting them and having it be a part of their life. And they've done that through multiple ways. But I, I got to say the best brand community is Peloton. It is unmatched in my opinion. I'm a Peloton user. The ability to be able to do certain things, you're able to connect with each other. There's spinoff Facebook groups and other communities based off of that key identifier. There's ways for you to use hashtags so you can self-identify the communities that you're a part of. You have trainers like Cody who have their own micro communities based off of them. You have the ability to have swag. They use UGC. People will buy like 100 and Mylar balloons to be able to do their 100 ride. Like there's all these different activations. I think the one thing that they don't do well enough is they don't acknowledge the entry point. You don't have to have a tread. You don't have to have a bike. I have a bike, but you could also just use the app. So you don't like there's multiple entry points for being in that community. And so it doesn't necessarily just have to be like monetary specific. There are other ways that you can connect. And so like Peloton community by far is my best. I think it's, I think it's probably the best. Secondly is public. I think public does a really great job and they do a really great job of keeping people updated with the news and they don't try to make it cushier than it is. They're very much there. Like we're here to guide you. We're here to keep you updated. You don't have to go to 10 different like wall street sites. You're able to get all of your stuff in one specific place and then be able to form um, conversations around that news and things there. So those are probably my top two. Yeah. Also, Christina, if I'm not correct, if I'm not wrong, you started a marketing Twitter Peloton ride group too. Yeah. Yeah. There is one. Yeah. Jesse. Um, yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining. Um, you've been amazing. Everybody go follow Christina on Twitter, on LinkedIn, everywhere. She, she's the queen of Twitter. So you have to go follow the queen. Also, thank you for Talkwalker for helping host this and for their amazing trends report. If you want to download the trends report, I'm going to put up a QR code. We're going QR codes are, are back from 2020. And if you want to download it, you can scan it. Thank you, everybody. And this has been great. Thanks for having me. Thanks, everyone, for attending. Thanks so much for listening. Tune in next week to hear more great insights from marketing's coolest operators. If you haven't already, please consider subscribing to the Marketing Millennials podcast and giving it a five-star rating. It helps bring more marketers into our community.